This morning's scripture reading comes from Luke 9, 23 through 25. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let them deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a person if they gain the whole world and lose or forfeit themselves? This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Uh, well, let me add a good morning to you as well. My name is Tim, and I serve as, as one of the pastors here. And we're continuing uh, our series that we started last week, which, which we're calling uh, Church for Monday. And uh, the idea really behind it is that a lot of times uh, as, as pastors or as churches, we're, we're really obsessed with like this one hour on Sunday morning uh, that we spend uh, together. And, and we, like, we often forget about uh, the real world, the rest of your week. And it's not that this hour important, isn't important, it's, it's incredibly important, um, but as a church, like, we want to think really intentionally about how do we help equip you and get you ready for Monday. And so as a church, we want to find more ways to be intentional about that. And th- this isn't just a series idea, like we want this to, to permeate children's ministries, student ministries, community groups, that, that we really believe God is sending you wherever you're going tomorrow. And as a church, we want to be very intentional about preparing you for whatever that is. We want to be a church uh, for Monday. And so it's a new idea, but it's not. It's really, it's, a, it's what we've been called to from the beginning, multiplying disciples. And so we're going to continue that, that series and that thought this morning. But first, I want to pray for us, and then we'll jump into the text that, uh, that Corey read for us. So let's, let's pray. Father, Jesus invites all of us to take up a cross and follow him. And I'm, probably a lot of us have heard that before. Maybe some of us haven't. Um, but for, for those who have heard that before, that's just, it probably it's like it's white noise. We've, we've heard this. Yeah, cross. We, and, and, and yet, this is, this is a very different way of, of the God of the universe inviting us into life with you. And so, Lord, we want to... We want to do that right. We want to do that well. And so as we open and try to understand what Jesus said 2,000 years ago, we pray and ask for your help. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as I said, this is, this is Jesus inviting uh, us into life with him. And, and we used the term last week, uh, and I, I used it a second ago, um, a disciple. Um, we want to be disciples of Jesus. And so what we did as a church, senior pastors and campus pastors, about a year ago, is we we spent a lot of de- devoted time thinking through what does a, a disciple, an apprentice of Jesus, what are the attributes that are true of them in the year you know, 2019, Kansas City? And we came up with seven marks, seven attributes of an apprentice of Jesus. And it's, it's, it's on the screen in the back. We're going to take each one of those now uh, week after week. This week's Take Up the Cross, we're going to talk about the yoke, we're going to talk about the city. All of those things are, are the sermons to come, but really seven like distinguishing marks of what someone who follows Jesus has that's true of them. And as I said, when Jesus talked about someone following him in that day, he used the word disciple. We, I like the word apprentice because disciple tends to have like religious connotations to it. This, uh, apprentice doesn't as much because an apprentice, all they are is someone who tags along with a master. So last week I talked about my first job at a golf course and 
I tagged along with the master, someone who knew where to park the golf carts, where the trash uh, went uh, away. And uh, the best part of the job, of course, being the driving the, the golf ball uh, range picker. You know, if you ever, uh, and if, if any of you play golf, do you try to hit that thing? Uh, that's like, it's like a bomb goes off when you actually hit. This would be kind to range ball pickers, please. Um, and the problem with me, like the, the course I played at had a lot of guys who went on to be very good. Almost some of them must be professionals. So they hit me a lot and it wasn't fun. But you know, Kenny was the master. He taught me how to do this. I was his apprentice, and he he, you know, he showed me the ropes. And not, Jesus wants to do that with you, but not in the sense of come on Sunday morning. I'm going to teach you a few things, and then go out in the world. And I, no, Jesus wants whatever you're doing tomorrow. He wants to be your master in that, and to, to like teach how to how to speak to people, how to how to live, how to be good at your job, how to operate in this whatever your Monday is. And so this morning's text, Jesus is giving what he thinks is like the door in to being his apprentice. And it's, it's weird. It would sort of be like if, you know, picture me, golf course, I'm 14 years old. Kenny, the master, he's walking me around. He's showing me, here's where you park the golf carts. Here's where you go to the trash. And then he takes me to a room and he says, now this, this room is very important. Uh, you have like to understand what it means to work in this room, uh, to work at this golf course. You have to understand what's in this room, and he, and he shows me the room, and in the room is an electric chair. And he's like, "This is very important. Like to work here well, you have to understand. Like you need to sit in it. You need to un- like that. I'd quit immediately, right? That's weird, and yet it's exactly what Jesus does. He takes a an instrument of crucifix of, of death." Of, of capital execution by the Roman government and says, if you want to understand what life with, like is, is, with, life, what life with me is like, you have to, you have to grab a cross. It's, it's weird. It's strange. It's intense. And so why does he say that? What does he mean? Take, if you want life with me, right, get in the electric chair or take, take up a cross. What, why does he say that? What does he mean? And, and this is important because this isn't like 30 years down the, the road after you follow for a, a Jesus for a long time, then you're ready to think about the cross. No, Jesus, this is the start. This is where we start. We begin here. We begin at a cross. If anyone would follow me, they must deny themselves, take up their cross. This is the starting place for the Christian life. And I believe uh, as we unpack this, this is incredibly important to your Monday life. Like having a cross tomorrow is incredibly important. So I want to, what Jesus says here, I want to unpack it in three ways. When Jesus says you have to, you have to take up a cross, he means you have to, you have to say no, you have to be willing to risk everything, and you need to expect resurrection. That's what cross means. Say no, risk everything, expect resurrection. So the first thing Jesus, when he says take up your cross, what he means is you have to say No, and this is where he starts when he says, if anyone would come after me, let them deny themselves. Let them deny themselves. And the the word here, deny themselves, it literally just means say no. It's only used a few times in the New Testament, and when it's used, it's someone who's asked a question, typically. Hey, uh, it's in, in particular of Peter. Peter, do you know Jesus? And Peter says, no, I don't. Deny yourself, it just means you say no. And so following Jesus means that the first, like where you start is that you say no to yourself. Let them deny themselves. Say no to yourself. Like that's where the Christian life 
starts, and already we have a problem. This is really hard for us. Because you, uh, you and I, we, uh, we in our own lives, we all carry a higher approval rating than Jesus. That a few years ago, The Atlantic read an article that referenced a public policy polling uh, poll that revealed that Americans hold themselves in the highest position of approval than anyone else. We approve of ourselves at a 93% rate. That's, that's impressive. You should give it up for yourself. That's really good. This beat out Abraham Lincoln. Uh, we think of ourselves more highly than Mother Teresa and, of course, Jesus Christ himself. Right? It's our voice we listen to the most. It's our face we, we look at the most. It's our opinion we care about the most. It's our will, our desires that we submit to the most. And we, I mean, this idea is, is everywhere. It's in commercials. It's in songs. It's in movies. And, and so it, in, in our culture, it takes a step beyond that where it's not just that don't say no to yourself, but actually like our culture says saying no to yourself is harmful to you. If you deny desires, you're like, it's repressive. It's bad. You can't do that. And so I, you know, I, I top hundred songs, Googled it. And it took me uh, song two. This is the lyrics, Panic at the Disco's High Hopes. Mama said, burn your biographies, rewrite your histories, light up your wildest dreams, Museum victories every day. We wanted everything, wanted everything. And this is, this is how most of us live. We try to gain the world, grab onto our biggest dreams, make our dreams come true, get the life we want. And Jesus, to that, at the end of that song, he asks a really haunting question. What if you get it? What if all your dreams come true? What if you get the world, but you lose yourself? I love the way Eugene Peterson translates that in the message. What if, you, what if you get your dreams, but you lose you, the real you? And Jesus' question, it haunts me because he's right. I can get the whole world. And often in our Monday life, we spend trying, that's when we try to get the world. When we try to make our wildest dreams come true. And Jesus, uh, Jesus just says, listen, what if you get it, and, but you lose yourself? And the reality is Jesus' life is built on a very different assumption than, than what our lives are often built on. His life is built on self-denial. And the cross is the single most defining moment of Jesus' life. And what's he doing there on the cross? He's dying for other people. He is, he's saying, I mean, the prayer he prayed just before the cross was, Father, not my will, but your will be done. He was denying himself. Jesus, the single most defining moment of his life was a moment of self Denial, and you cannot hang around Jesus for very long without becoming a person of self-denial. You just can't. Or you're not hanging around Jesus. Because his whole life is built on saying no to himself and yes to other people. And yet everything in our bones pushes back against this idea of self-denial. And so there, uh, there's a rapper, her name is Jackie Hill Perry uh, she's a Christian now. Uh, at one point, she was, um, uh, she was a lesbian. She was dating a woman and then had this conversion experience to, to God and felt like in that conversion experience, she had to deny herself um, uh, what her certain desires were and, and live into to others' desires. And now she, uh, she's uh, married to a man, has kids, and she spoke recently at Harvard. And uh, what she said like, caused enough controversy that, that Newsweek magazine picked it up. It became a, kind of, a, kind of a, a, a national story. And here's all she said. This is the quote, which they misquoted in Newsweek, but here's the right, the right quote. Jesus Christ is the model for how we are to deny ourselves. 
Whether that applies to our greed, to our lust, self-denial is not optional for the Christian. And that, like, that is deeply offensive to, to our world today. Self-denial is controversial, but not to Jesus. Like to Jesus, this is the whole thing is built. The whole Christian life is built on saying no to yourself. And so the question for us is, when was the last time you said no to yourself? You denied yourself. Because this is where following Jesus is where it starts. Right? This, isn't, this isn't when you, like 40 years from now, or when you get to heaven one day, then, you'll, then this is important. No, it's important at the beginning. Right? If you want to follow me, Jesus says, you must deny yourself. You must say no to yourself. And it's why the door in, the key practice of any apprentice of Jesus, is, is repentance. Which sounds like a, like a really intense religious word, and it certainly can be. But all repentance means is, I, like, I'm walking this way, and I say no to that direction, to where I'm walking, to how I'm living, to the direction I want to go. I say no to that, and I, I turn around and I say yes to the G- direction Jesus is going, which is why Jesus uses so much directional language here. He says you have to deny yourself, and then he says, he says you have to come and follow after me. He gives this directional language. If you're going this way, you have to say no to all of that, and you have to turn around, you have to come and follow me. This is where the Christian life starts, saying no to myself. And it should mean an apprentice of Jesus should be well acquainted with saying I'm sorry, uh, seeking forgiveness from other people. Like we shouldn't be surprised when we do something that hurts other people because we, we recognize in ourselves there's a lot that has to be said no to, and we often don't say no, we say yes, and other people get hurt in the process. And so where is it hardest for you to say, to say no to yourself? Where do you need to say no? Where do you need to pick up your, your cross? And again, keep this real world. That's tomorrow, right? The, it's easy now, like, you know, I think mint, like, well, what are the sins? I, but no, like, who... Maybe who do you need to say I'm sorry to? Or who tomorrow do you need to love for their good and, and, and not for your own? Following Jesus starts with saying no to yourself. That's, that's one. But the second image that's sort of built into the cross isn't just one of self-denial, right? We're not just, um, we're just people with martyr complex who just walk around and deny ourselves. But there's more built into this image. And the second thing built into the image of the cross is that we, we risk everything. And one of the reasons why we, we did this sermon series was um, in 2017, we did a, a study called Reveal, which was basically all of you, some of you maybe filled out on your computer, on the computer we had out in the, the lobby at, at Trail Ridge. And the idea was we want to understand, are people growing in the faith? Are, they mature? are, you, you know, are we helping you guys grow in, into Christ-likeness? Is there growth in, in your life? Where are we weak as a church? And, and so it was a really helpful time. And, and there was one clear, uh, like, biggest problem of everything. Or one, one question that jumped out is like, oh, this is, this, is, this is something we need to think about. And that was, there was a statement on the, the study that was this. this was the, you read the statement, and then you put disagree, agree, strong agree, strong disagree. Here's the statement. I am willing to risk everything that is important in my life for Jesus Christ. I am willing to risk everything that is important in my life for Jesus 
Christ. Now, it's hard to imagine in light of Luke 9 saying, yeah, I kind of agree with that. Like, yeah, 50% maybe. Um, and yet, it all, what we found was the, the rate of strongly agree with that statement in our church is about 34% of people, and it was, it was much lower than the average church in our, uh, that take, the, the, take the, the test. And what the you know, administrators of the test said to us was, this is a sign you have a people who are very comfortable and don't want to risk their place in the world for the gospel, for Jesus. And I know you're probably thinking what I thought when I initially heard that, which is, yeah, but that's, that's like super discipleship, right? You know, once you've followed Jesus for a long time, then you start risking your career, your, you know, your reputation, or that's, you know, once things are in place, then you do that. And that, no, Jesus, this is where we start with Jesus. We start with the cross, right? Day one of the job interview, you go to the back of the room, and there's an electric chair, and it's weird. It's creepy, right? And what are we doing here? Who, Jesus, who are you? And Jesus is saying, I am the person for whom you risk everything, or you, you just can't follow me. It doesn't work. If you're not willing to put everything on the line for me, like, we can't, this is not going to work. And this hurts me as much as it hurts you because if, if, there's, if there's something I'm not willing to risk for him, then I can't follow him. I can't take up a cross. If there's something I am trying to hold back from him, he, it, that relationship doesn't work. And, and, and there's a couple of things. There are a couple of costs, a couple of risks in particular that the cross implies for us. And it is, it is first, to take up a cross means you are going to embrace some bit of the shame of knowing and being associated with Jesus. Because here's the thing, the cross was not just an instrument of death. Like it wasn't just a capital execution thing. Because in Rome, they, don't, they didn't execute the people the way we do. Right? We hide that, we, we, we put it in a closed room, only certain people can get to an execution if we feel like we need to put someone to death in our culture. Rome wasn't like that. They're like, if we think you need to die, we want everyone to know that if you're like that person, you die. And if you're really bad, like the worst people, they got the cross because that was the most humiliating an excruciating way to die. And so the cross was a, it was a public, intentionally shameful act to anyone who's being crucified. So when Jesus says, take up the cross, they're immediately thinking of these like horrible criminals that were crucified publicly and Rome, you know, put their stamp on those people as bad, evil people. And so Jesus is saying to follow me means like you're going to have to embrace the shame of being associated with me. So maybe it's a really profound point that I think actually as Christians, and I certainly struggle with this, we forget uh, this very profound point, and it's this. Jesus is not cool, nor he, will he ever be cool. And any time a Christian leader has saddled up with the power structures of the day, most always they've embarrassed themselves in some, or, or not embraced the shame of Jesus and embraced popularity, not being well, willing to speak the truth. And you and I, in our own ways, there, there will be moments in your life where to embrace Jesus will necessarily mean embracing shame. We believe things, if you believe the, the, the gospel message, you believe things that are inherently offensive, morally wrong and suspect, and, and to some people, like, actually immoral, uh, evil itself. Like, things we believe, much of our culture considers wrong and evil itself today, you cannot associate Jesus without that. And that's always been true. It's always been true, but it's been a little bit easier maybe 20 or 30 years ago in this culture than, than it is today. And today, if you, if you want to be self-respectable, if you want to ha- be, look good to all of your friends and your family, and you want to have a good image, you, you can't follow Jesus. You can't. You have to, Jesus says, take up a cross. 
right? An instrument of shameful execution. That's what it takes to follow me. So that's why, I mean, we, ha- we have a hard time with that. We want to look respectable. We want to look good. We want to have a good image. And Jesus is saying, you can't with me. It's shame, one. But two is, is we, fear, we fear losing something. We fear, like, following Jesus, we don't want to lose what's important to us. And I think this is why Jesus uses this powerful image of, of death. Right, when he talks about discipleship, he goes right at death. And I think there's a reason he goes that intense. And, and to illustrate that, there's, I love the miniseries uh, Band of Brothers. It's a, a miniseries that's about World War II and the people who invaded, uh, started invade, with the invasion of Normandy and then went on and, and helped win the war, war for Allied forces. And there's this moment in the Band of Brothers where Lieutenant Ronald Spears, he's the, he's the, he's the tough guy of the, of the series, and he does, the, he does crazy stuff. I mean, keeps his, uh, the people in his platoon safe. I mean, he's a crazy dude and is, has no fear. And he's speaking to a private named Albert Blythe, who is, he's terrified, and he, he says to Lieutenant Spears, when, when we invaded Normandy, I, I hid because I was afraid. And uh, Spears says this to him after Blythe says this to him. He says, you hid in that ditch because you think there's still hope. But Blythe, the only hope you have to accept is the fact that you're already dead and the sooner you accept that, the sooner you'll be able to function. See, so here's the irony. Here's what, why, what Jesus says is so ironic. Um, even if you gain the whole world, you're going to lose it. <laughs> Death. You're, even if you gain the whole world and you don't lose yourself, you still lose the whole world when you, when you die. And it's like Jesus is looking at us saying, like, what? Whatever you think you're going to get tomorrow on Monday with your career, with money, or with your reputation, like, do you realize when you die, it all goes away? So instead of living for yourself tomorrow, and you're going to lose it in the end if you live for yourself, because that's not how the universe is built, instead die with me. Instead die well in self-denial and in in putting everything on the line for, for my gospel and my my hope, and the sooner you and I realize that we can, actually we can't gain the whole world, like you'll never be able to gain the whole world because you're going to lose it in the end anyway. The sooner we realize that, sooner, the sooner we realize there's no hope to gain the world, the sooner we can we can lay it down at Jesus' feet and be given far more, <laughs> far more than we, we would ever gain if we had the world anyway. And so, when was the last time you? You risked something for Jesus. So what cross are you avoiding in life? What, what comfort, what possession? What do you, what do you try to like, hide from Jesus? Like, don't, don't touch that. You can't have that. And here's the thing. I want to say this again because this is really important. This is not, it's not like we come to Jesus and say, okay, you can have this for now. I'm going to keep this back here, and we'll see how you do. And if you do well, then I'll let you have. No, he's... It, this is the starting place. It's the cross. This is where we start with Jesus, not where we finish. And if there are things that we, we hold back from him, you, can, like, you can't start with life with him. And, and here's why, ultimately, because Jesus, right, like, he gave us his own life. And it's just hard to be in a relation. You know, maybe you dated someone at some point who like, was way more into you than they were, uh, uh, that you were into them. And it's just weird, right? It's like, you know, I don't want to talk to you all the time. I want to, I want to say that. Like, Jesus died for you as the Son of God. It's like, not, you can't just go to him and say, yeah, like, let's talk occasionally. You know, that's it's not how it works. He gave his own life for 
us, which means we, if he risked everything for us, the only way to be in a relationship with a being like that is if we're willing to risk everything for him. And it's why I believe like Christians who have taken up their cross, we live so differently on Monday because we're not, we're not afraid of losing anything. Right? We're not, we, we know we're not going to get the world. We're not trying to get the world. We know even if we got the world, we would lose it in the end anyway. So we go into our Monday life in our work, in our vocation, with our families, our friends into this world. And we're not, like, we're not trying to gain anything. We're not trying to get anything because we already have everything we need in Jesus, which means we are people who can take risks that the rest of the world can't take because they have to hold on to what they, they have. But we don't. And we're so, and what this, I mean, this can, this isn't complicated. What is it? Like Christians, we should be able to love people that other people can't love because we don't need anything in return, right? We can take the bold risk of forgiving people that may not forgive us in return. We may, we could take the bold risk of loving people that don't give us anything in return, which ultimately that's like all of what parenting is, right? is you birth a being that literally has nothing to offer you for several years. Because all the, like you, they need you to survive at every second of the day. Your li- parenting is built on self-denial. It's where it all starts. And, and, and it's easy for me as a parent to think, you know, someday this is going to get better, instead of saying, like, this is, this is where Jesus wants me, the starting place of where it's self-denial. Not your, it's not their life for you, it's your life for them. Right? Or as Christians, when we go into Monday life, like, we shouldn't be afraid of, of being embarrassed. And so whether that means you're at school and you're afraid of being made fun of for being a Christian or like us in the workplace may be afraid to, to speak a truth because we're afraid of, of shame being brought back on us. Like we just, not that we're indifferent to people or we want to be uncaring, but like we, it's okay if, if shame is brought on us. We're not, we, don't need to, we don't need to hold on to a reputation. That, that, Jesus will protect that. He will give us that back to us in the end. I don't need the world. I have Jesus. Or I, th- I think this is another way of thinking about this. Like I think Christians in our work and vocation should be far more risk takers than anyone else when it comes to entrepreneurship. I know a lot of Christians, like the reason they started a business or shifted careers or, or did something new was because the company or the, the place they worked for before was deeply unchristian in the way they tra- treated people. It was dehumanizing. It wasn't, it wasn't godly. It wasn't good. And so they said, I'm going to go start my own thing and do it right, which is enormously risky, especially in a society that doesn't always reward like living in a Christian way or doing business in a Christian way. You're often at a disadvantage, but sometimes not. And it takes enormous risk to do that. And, and that like Monday, we, if we became risk takers as a church, people who said, there's nothing I'm not willing to risk for Jesus Christ, how differently would, would Christians look like in the world on Monday? And yet, like how many of us, and I, listen, I'm in this, how many of us tomorrow are doing everything we can to gain the world? To get what we can while we can, to, to go where we can in our career, to have what we can um, in terms of money or reputation. And, and Jesus just, listen, the starting place is the cross. Right? The starting place is, is the cross. And yeah, I know we all think, it's okay, but to risk everything, you can lose everything. I think a part of what Jesus is saying is, with him, you can't. Try to gain the world, and yet you will lose everything. If you go with Jesus, you can't lose anything. And that's, that's where the cross metaphor ends. So we, to take up your cross, it means you have to, it's self-denial. You have to say no to yourself. It means you have to be willing to risk everything, right? That's the cross, the relationship Jesus offers us. But third is, if you take up the cross, you expect resurrection, because the only way, ultimately, we're going to ever say no to ourselves or we're ever going to enter into a life where we're willing to risk everything is if we believe 
The cross is not a symbol just of shame and death like the Roman Empire wanted the early Christians to believe. And you have to understand, when the disciples first heard this, what they would have heard is just take up the, the symbol of death and shame. And it would have been like the most depressing religious speech ever. Right? Like, if you want a terrible life, come with me, Jesus says. I mean, that's essentially what, what they would have understood. And, and, and yet Luke writes his gospel 30 years after the life of Jesus, which means Luke, as he interviewed the early Christians and the disciples who were there and heard Jesus say this, Luke is going to have a, a, a much more broad understanding of what the cross meant. In that moment when Jesus says this in Luke 9, all it means is following Jesus means great cost, great shame. But now this side of Jesus' cross, there is more to that story, and it's, it's resurrection. Like We believe as Christians that the cross leads to resurrection. That this symbol of shame, a cross, is now a symbol of salvation. The symbol of death, a cross, is now a symbol of, of life. This is like the cross is where Jesus paid this enormous cost. And the whole reason, the gospel message, the whole reason Jesus took on that shame, took on that cost, was to have you and to have me. And so, you know, as I said earlier, how could we ever expect to follow Jesus without risking everything for him, without saying no to ourselves, right? Jesus, he's not a life coach who for $99.99 will give you some good helpful tips on how to advance in your career. No, he died for you as the son of God of the universe. And for us to approach him and say, you know, you can have this and you can, have, but not this. Jesus is like, I'm the son of God. I died for you. Like, you, that's not how this is going to work. Which is why he starts with saying, if you, the starting place for, for being my apprentice, I'm the master, I know how to live life, I know how to do everything. The starting place for life with me is, is a cross. And it's there, it's the cross where we're reminded we are, we are offered the world. Right? Jesus dies for us, he takes on shame for us, he goes to the cross for, so that we can have the world and not lose ourselves, not lose the real us. And so this being, this Jesus, he is, a, he is a being who turns crosses into resurrection. He turns death into life. He turns hopelessness into hope, which means tomorrow, wherever, us go, wherever all of us go, whatever you're doing tomorrow, if, you are, if, you're, if you've taken up the cross of Jesus, you, you are going to expect resurrection life to spring up around, all around you. And it may not always look the way you want it. it may not, it's probably going to be unexpected um, at times, but we are people who believe at the center of the universe is a cross becoming resurrection, which means the way that resurrection life pours through me is by saying no to myself, is by risking everything, and is by having this hopeful disposition that as I go into the world, as I operate in the world, as I do my Monday life, whatever that is, I expect, I expect new resurrection life to come, to come all around me. And so the reason we, we take up a cross as Christians is not because we think self-denial is fun, not because we have a martyr complex, but we, uh, not even because we believe every risk that we take for Jesus will pay off in the short run. I, I'm not going to promise you that. But we believe and we know that God takes crosses and turns them into resurrection. And so there's, you know, there'll be around 200 people here this morning, maybe a little less because of the snow, I don't know. But tomorrow, all of us are going to go out into the world. And if we, have, if we take Jesus' admonition seriously, to take up his cross and to follow him, deny ourselves, we are going to individually be places of resurrection life springing up all around our city tomorrow if we take up our cross. And so one thing we want to do throughout this series is we want to highlight 
people who like that that's happening with because we think that's true and it's easy for me to preach this and tell stories and, and all that but actually like, this is happening and so this morning um you know we want to tell a story of 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 our one of our congregants here an elder uh mitch uh, mitch holtis and you know uh, many of you, uh, you might know mitch uh, he does the radio broadcast for the chiefs and that's not why we're doing this you know it's it's not about uh football i mean i, li- I felt really bad because i heard uh, or uh, driving home yesterday i heard like another church doing a, a a clearly like shameless like chiefs football plug for like getting people to church it's like that's not why we're, why we're doing this um uh we're doing it mitch is the real deal and not just uh, in the video you're about to see, but just in his own life, uh, resurrection life just pours out of him and him taking up his, his cross. And that's true of a lot of people in this room, and we want to tell those stories over the next few weeks. So we're going to watch a video and then have Mitch up uh, for a little, little Q&A. Um, so take a look. <laughs> 